This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Thursday, January the 31st. I'm your host, D.A., and Atlanta is a buzz. Just a couple of more days to go until Super Bowl 53, and usually most attention is on the two teams that are playing in the big event when it comes this late in the week, except not this year, because all attention still resides on Roger Goodell and the NFL League office and why it took so long for the commissioner and the league to publicly address the missed call in the NFC Championship game. Goodell held his press conference on Wednesday. Drew Brees joined WWL Radio in New Orleans and said, while Goodell may have made some comments finally, he still hasn't been spoken to. Let's listen in. Have you had any conversations with NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell since the, uh, the, the game against the Rams? No, I, I haven't had any conversations. Uh, he hasn't reached out to me. And uh, in speaking with uh, a lot of guys on the team, uh, I have not spoken with anyone yet who said they had any conversations. Drew, you know, uh, so two or two questions. So Coach Payton uh, gets up today, has his kind of end-of-season uh, press conference with the media, and he talks about um, kind of how he dealt with uh, that whole situation. Now, he said he – Hit, locked himself in his room and ate ice cream and watched Netflix, which I know that you're not allowed to do because you have four kids. Um, but uh, kind of explain uh, your process in dealing with it and moving on. And I know uh, the second part, uh, the post that you made last week to all the fans and, and discussing kind of a, a different outlook on it and, and turning uh, a negative into a positive and, and kind of what you hope that Saints fans can take out of this. Yeah. I mean, listen, that was, a, that was a devastating loss, you know, for all of us guys who were playing, but, but certainly our fans, you know, and everybody who was in that building. Um, and so I think just, uh, you know, the initial kind of shock of that um, or just uh, the reality that, you know, the season was over, unfortunately, and, and we weren't going to have a chance to achieve, you know, our ultimate goal when certainly I think the expectation level was that we would, we would you know, we'd be playing for it all and that, you know, we had the type of team that was capable of that. You know, um, so there's that sadness, um, obviously, you know, for me, um, just there's so many people I wanted to win that for, you know, obviously our fans, everybody who was in that building, everyone who supported us um, from the start of the season, everyone who's been on this journey with us, this ride, but there's just a lot of people in our building, you know, that I really, really wanted that for. And so that's, that was the most difficult thing um, was just, uh, just accepting that reality. And then, um, and then, then you start playing the game over and over in your mind. Um, you know, I felt like there was an opportunity or two to win that game, you know, prior to the call, uh, or the no call. And then, and then after, um, the event. So, you know, there were some things that were within our control, 
and then there was unfortunately something that was that was out of our control that um that that caused us to fall short of, of our ultimate goal so that that part's disappointing and just but just like any game i think where where that happens where you fall short i try to replay it over in my mind and uh, and almost visualize a different result you know so that if and when that situation does come back around um i feel like we've you know we've we've already overcome it you know we've we've moved past it we've 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 um you know we've handled it the situation better um but you know here we are what a week and a half after the fact and you know you're trying to trying to move on trying to channel that those emotions into something more positive and begin to look forward to next season um you know, I know it's a long way away, and there's a lot of time that guys are now taking just to, to get away and be with their families. You know, listen, the season's a grind. You know, and, but yeah, I've been I've been trying to channel that energy into positive things. If you're Roger Goodell, how can you not reach out to Drew Brees? No, I, I haven't had any conversations. Uh, he hasn't reached out to me. Brees is a Man of the Year candidate almost every year. He's a future Hall of Famer. He is one of the most beloved players in the game. Wouldn't it be good business to reach out to Drew Brees and just let him know that they're looking into a problem with the officiating? Wouldn't that just make sense? It has always felt as though the NFL has been hiding behind a wall of silence since that missed call in the NFC Championship game, and it's a bad look for this league. Brees is staying home to watch the game. Tom Brady is yet again going to play in it. And now that Brady is into his early 40s and still making Super Bowls, three straight and four out of the last five years, it begs the question, when will this end? The guys on Sacramento's ESPN 1320, the Rise guys, discussed if it may never end. Will the NFL ever get replay figured out? Probably not. Will Tom Brady ever retire? Probably not. Nah. Robert Kraft is open to an extension, an extension for Tom Brady. Well, think about it. Um, the last three years, we've been privileged to go to the Super Bowl with a quarterback in place. Um, I, I would be quite surprised if uh, he didn't continue for quite a while as our quarterback. An extension for Tom Brady could be a top priority, according to uh, Mike Reese from ESPN for the for the Patriots. And the Patriots and Brady have uh, traditionally reached an extension with two years remaining on the deal. And Tom Brady has said he wants to play until he's 45. And Robert Kraft, anyway, seems to think that's doable. And why the heck not? Sure. Well, I mean, at some point, arthritis is going to sit in, right? He is a human being. He is flesh and blood. Some sort of itis. I mean, yeah, something. Bursitis. Something will happen. Conjunctivitis? Yeah. All these things could, could. But the truth is that you're asking... Bob Kraft, that question, in even by the Patriots' standards in the Brady-Belichick era, the finest run they've ever had, right? This is four in five years. It isn't just, yeah, he's right, three in a row. It's four in five years. Of all the years Brady and Belichick were together, Brady might have had individually some better seasons. As far as where they are right now, what, you'd, you'd be insane to make a move. Now, it you know how much Belichick— um, must have, must have been upset when they dealt Garoppolo. When it was like it felt like a power play, and the reporting says Belichick was upset, and the reporting says it was a power play. But you're gonna play with Brady another four years. But you got to be ready in case it's one year and that's it. 
You're absolutely you right, your but it's four plan. years to have your plan. I mean, it's, yeah. Any time in the next two years, if you develop, start developing a quarterback, you're probably going to be okay. And now, the Rise Guys Football Fact of the Day. Tom Brady in 2019 would become just the fourth player to spend at least 20 seasons with one NFL team. The fourth? Yeah. Can you name any of the other three? You don't have to. This isn't uh, Stump Mr. Baseball. Uh, I just thought before I read them, I'd give you a chance to show off a little. No, I mean, 20 is such a long time. What if I gave you the teams? Okay. Okay, the Lions, the Redskins, and the Rams. Uh, See, now here's your choice. You can say, no, I don't know, and back out gracefully. But if you go for it from here, you don't get it. Then you're going to start to look bad. um, Okay, I'm going to risk it. Redskins, Art Monk. Oh, boy, that's not not correct there. Okay. Lions, you did... Uh, uh, Mel. <laughs> Is his name Mel? It's Mel. <laughs> it's Mel. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah, I don't know why. You thinking of Mel Far? Yeah, I am. <laughs> Thank you, Whitey. Good call. That's a great pull. That's a long ago name. You might have played yeah. twenty. Huh? Uh, the Rams? Nah. Jackie Slater with the Rams. Kicker Jason Hansen with the Lions. That's and- a joke. Matt Barrow's favorite player of all time, Daryl Green, Green he with the Redskins. 20, huh? wow. Yeah. Wouldn't have got that. Look, we are at the point in time where this is a realistic question to ask. Brady wants to play until he's 45, maybe 46, maybe longer. This is a real issue. If he's going to play this long, are we still going to have the Patriots in the Super Bowl every single year? Are we talking about five straight or six straight or seven straight i mean the good news is if you're sick of the patriots in this big game brady at least looked mortal at times this year but if he's good enough with this team to get back to the super bowl this thing might never end but that's just the offensive side of things the patriots had to figure out things on the defensive side as well And while they outlasted the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, Devin McCourty has been around a lot of Super Bowls. This guy is the most accomplished defensive player on the Patriots and really their defensive leader. He joined 97-3, the fan in San Diego, and reflected back on his early years under Bill Belichick. Not easy. I wanted to ask you a little bit about your situation with your brother. I mean, did you ever think (laughs) that you'd be playing on the same NFL team uh, as your brother, let alone uh, together in a Super Bowl? No, we thought it would happen uh, a couple times early in our career, and then when it didn't happen, um, you know, he's in his 10th year, I'm in my ninth year. We were kind of like, man, nobody's probably going to want two older guys to be on their team (laughs) now. And, um, you know, then this year the trade happened. Um, and I remember in the beginning just thinking, man, how cool would it be if we could get back to the Super Bowl uh, for this guy, you know, coming off an 0-16 record, you know, never making it to the playoffs. To have an opportunity to play in the Super Bowl, um, I think, you know, it's been awesome. And he's enjoyed every minute of it, laughing, joking, um, competing, you know. So uh, it's been a great run for us. I think as twin brothers growing up and both dreaming to just make it in the NFL and now playing on the biggest stage together, uh, we're going to go out there and have a lot of fun Sunday. Hey, Devin, i got to ask you, you were a first-round draft pick of uh, New England back in 2010. Uh, you know, we uh, we watched Bill Belichick throughout his career, and, uh, you know, if you're doing what you're supposed to do, you stay around for a long period of time, and obviously you've been that guy for nine years. Could you talk a little bit about uh, – 
what it's like when you first came in as a young player with uh, New England and Belichick and what it's like now that you're one of the, the grizzled veterans on that defense uh, playing for him? Uh, well, when I first came in, I was scared to death to make any mistakes. So, um, uh, that I would say that's changed a little bit. But I think the, one of the biggest things, I've always kind of kept the mentality uh, of just trying to make sure I earned my job each day I came into work. And, um, you know, I remember being a rookie and, and Bill telling the rookies, um, being a rookie here in New England is imagining you're on a boat any, without any paddles and you got to get to shore. And I remember walking away from that meeting like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to make it here. And, you know, <laughs> you know and, and now fast forward nine years of being able to build great relationships, be here, uh, be a captain, uh, eight-time captain, and, and being able to be a big brother and mentor to a lot of these younger guys and pass on the knowledge that I've gained uh, throughout my years. You know, I couldn't ask for a better situation, and um, I truly love every minute of being here. Well, Devin, I, I really want to ask you. I know everybody's been talking to you about if you win a Super Bowl or what's the chances of you hanging up. I, I don't want to go that route. I, I want to ask you about the recovery now. Uh, you know, year nine. Uh, what is it like when the off season starts, trying to get your body back in shape, or not really in shape, but just getting it ready for another season? I'm sure that's going to impact your decision on, on coming back next year. Yeah, I mean, mainly starts with rest of trying to just rest some injuries and stuff that aren't obviously big injuries, but things that you deal with throughout the season of, you know, kind of starting off with that, just stay still and let your body heal naturally and do the things they do. Um, and, and then it gets right into, like you said, making sure you don't get too far out of shape, but making sure you kind of slowly get back into working out, doing different things that are injury prevention things that, you know, might not be heavy lifting and, and hard running. Uh, but things that you know will help you once you're in season. Um, and then it just kind of steamrolls. So I try to always make sure from a mental standpoint that I take some time away, uh, enjoy the family, and do those things before kind of getting back in and getting ready to go. So I, I think that mental rest really helps you to kind of reboot and get ready to go yeah. for the next year. Devin McCourty, our guest here on 97.3 The Fan. Uh, Devin, I'll let you get out of here on this one. You've played in Super Bowls. You've won Super Bowls. When Super Bowl Sunday comes – how do you not get too fired up to when the game actually kicks off, you haven't already uh, expended uh, a lot of mental and physical energy to where you may get a little tired in that middle, middle of the third or, or fourth quarter? I think you just got to keep reminding yourself it's just a football game. You keep saying that to yourself over and over again. Um, and, you know, there's going to still be a time in the pregame that you're going to get super juiced up and have to remember <laughs> um, that you're not playing the game yet. But I think the time you go back in the locker room after warm-ups, uh, you get to kind of relax, go over some final points, and then by the time you come back out, it's kickoff. And once it's kickoff, you're just rolling. You're just playing football. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. McCourty is all class, and the Patriots have held on to him because of that. He's a smart player, high football IQ, and absolutely the defensive leader inside that huddle. 
Saquon Barkley is the offensive rookie of the year, but there's question marks in Cleveland about how legit that is. I mean, while Saquon played in a losing team that has the number six pick in the draft, Baker Mayfield is no slouch. Baker helped elevate an 0-16 team to 7-8-1. A certain host of Around the Dial joined the boys at 92-3 The Fan in Cleveland to discuss whether they got the ROY award right. Damon Amendelard joining us on the show. You know, Roger Goodell did his State of the NFL address yesterday. He was asked a lot about the refs. He was also asked about Josh Gordon. And I was watching that address yesterday afternoon, D.A., and why do you think that he gets so many more opportunities or they continue to try to see if Josh Gordon could keep his head on the straight and narrow where so many other guys, they have been had their ties cut very, very quickly in their careers? Because I can't help but think, okay, well, what if you would have given this type of of openness to Justin Blackman and so on? Excellent question. Number one, it's always about talent. And there's always been such tantalizing talent surrounding Josh Gordon that there's always been a general manager willing to see. And you guys know that as well as anybody. Let's see. Get him into our system. Let's see. Let's get him to this quarterback. Let's see. Is he right now? Is he right now? Is he right now? Let's see. That's the biggest part. But I think the second biggest part is culture change. And I think it's hard in today's world to cut bait with a guy once you've identified it as a mental illness. And it's different than domestic violence, and it's different from criminality. I think people now are trying to be as open-minded, as sensitive, as compassionate as possible. And I was just talking about this last night, in fact, ironically, about, about Josh Gordon and mental health and where we are in sports media. And off-air, I was talking to a, a mental health advocate And she was just saying the narrative in Boston was different this year with Josh Gordon than it would have been one year ago, let alone five years ago. I think Roger Goodell and the NFL are sensitive to that. And so that's why I think that Josh Gordon has had as many lives as he's had. Who's going to be better in 2019, the Browns or the Giants? Cleveland Browns. I am not convinced that the New York Giants know what they're doing. Uh, I think that Dave Gettleman, as general manager, has finally come to the realization that Eli Manning is over. But there is a loyalty that runs so deep within the Giants that they refuse to cut bait with Eli Manning. And so I think they're going to draft somebody and then let Eli be the placeholder for the time being. But as long as Eli is the quarterback, they can't can't do anything. So I think this is a a lost season for the Giants. And I think the Browns are going to be a very competitive Wild card esque team. DA, I know you got like 30 seconds, but then why is Saquon Barkley winning rookie of the year over Baker Mayfield possibly when one team is projected to be better than the other and both are projected because of their rookies? Well, Saquon Barkley had the benefit of the New York hype and the machine and coming out of college, this kind of man drooling over his thighs and his legs and all of this type of stuff. And look, Saquon Barkley was amazing this year, obviously. But the Giants were a disaster, and what Baker Mayfield was able to accomplish with that team when, very obviously, um, there was not expectations the same way, in my mind, of completely changing things around, at least not for most people to me. I think, you know, Baker Mayfield showed far more, in my estimation, his rookie season than Saquon. And again, Saquon was great, but you can run for a lot of, a lot of yards – and have a great season as a running back and lose 12 games. Usually doesn't happen that way with a quarterback position. Yep.
Damon, I thank you very much for the time, my friend. All I always appreciate it. All the best. We'll talk to you again soon. Back at you guys, man. Keep up the good work. Hey, I like that guy. I know that voice. Where have I heard him before? January the 31st. I'm your host, DA. I think that the elevated play that the Cleveland Browns played with because of Mayfield, because of that attitude, because of that leadership, cannot be overlooked. I know that Saquon had wonderful rookie numbers, but when your team loses that many games and your offense is stinky that many times, to me, offensive rookie of the year, that should be Baker Mayfield. In Dallas, Dak Prescott with another good playoff run. Two games where he played relatively well, especially in that wild card round against the Seattle Seahawks. On Sean and RJ's morning show, on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, they discussed his improvisation with his legs and, and how that type of success works for Dak, including that crucial 3rd and 14 conversion, which I see out. The big question that, well, there's two big questions. Number one, did you get notifications about Zeke unfollowing and then following you back on Instagram? Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, what happened? <laughs> no, I mean, I think I just saw the same way as y'all did. So I was just on social media and I see some posts, why did Zeke unfollow Dak or something? And then I clicked that and makes you know it's like this whole threads of like people <laughs> coming up with some some fake or whatever reasoning. I don't know. Maybe he hit the wrong button, but. Yeah. Me and Zeke are great. We just, we just spent the whole Pro Bowl and weekend together. We're good. So was he just on your feed stalking your page? Is that what he was doing? He probably and just accidentally slipped and hit the unfollow button. Or yeah. Who knows? Maybe I didn't text him back and he unfollowed me. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Jerry <laughs> called in last night to the station unscheduled because they were talking. Of, <laughs> now Zach's got a scared face. Yeah, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. oh, man. You never no know what's going to happen. He called in unscheduled to Ben and Skin because they were talking about the coaching moves and all that stuff. And he, and he kind of alluded to Callum Moore, offensive uh, coordinator slash play caller. What, what would Kellen bring? Yeah. What, what, what makes this guy special? Travis Frederick came on and referred to him as a genius. Like, what's different about this guy? Yeah, Trav said it. I mean, he's honestly one of these young genius phenoms in the game and just what he knows, the way, obviously, he knows the, the, the football that we've been playing and, and kind of where the game's been going, the more on the ball or whatever it is, that uh, the style of play you want to call it. But uh, he's special. He's special. He knows a lot about the game, um, just the way he sees the game, the way he's ahead of the game. He can bring a lot to us, a lot of creativity, uh, something we need. Did you start having a little more say or impact later on into the season uh, in terms of getting together with game plans? And, and, and how does that work? Like, are you, are you input from day one, increase throughout the season, increase in year three, more emphasis and say? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, it's just really um, as I see something, as, as I want to put in my input or whatever you want to say I just do it no matter if it's early in the season mm-hmm. late in the season or whenever it may be it's tomorrow more if I see something I really like it I'm gonna make sure I go to them with the with the confidence or with that we need to put this in and they've always been great in doing so you know we we, we talk a lot there's a lot of chatter on social media like man get Dak running more let's have him run more outside the pocket you know, design runs how much of that is this is you know the, that's what the play is the play breaks down you want to run. Yeah. Do you want to run more than you do now? I mean, I think running is just one thing at this position that you've just got to allow it to come. It's got to allow it, just allow it to happen. Uh, it's not necessarily, oh, I need to go in this game and I need to run the ball 10 times for us to, to open up Zeke or for us to open up the pass. Like, not necessarily that. It's a lot of times just how the defense plays the quarterback, how they play the run, and it's just you just have to be able to, to, to take what they give you. So for me going in, it's not, 
oh, I want to do this or I want to do that. It's more, I think a lot of our success and things happen a lot of time when it's not a call, and it's more me improvising, me just making a play, getting out of the pocket. I think it's the majority of my legs has success more so than us calling a design run play. You're on Twitter. You're on social media. What, what do you say to the Cowboy fan, uh, us included, who say, oh, we want to see more movement. We want to see Rams and Chiefs influence and, you know, uh, different routes and stuff that's unpredictable. And it, it, how much what, what do you say to that fan who wants to see a little bit more of that with, with, with the college offense that you yeah. came from and thrived in? Yeah, I mean, it's fair. I mean, honestly, sometimes it's fair for them to, to have their arguments. or their, Yeah, I mean, I, the, the college offense I came from, the college offense Zeke came from are very, very, very similar. I mean, it's the same coaches pretty much, the same people that installed him. But once again, you got to look around. you got to see the pieces in the team we have. Uh, when you got a guy like Zeke and you got to run it back like that, you got to give him the ball. Uh, you've got to make sure that, that, that you dominate the time of possession. You do those things that you do when you have a guy like him. And then it takes away sometimes from the move and all this other stuff, but it's about being who we are. Dak has now played in three playoff games, and even though he's only won one of those, he's played relatively well in all three of them. I think there's a lot to build on if you're Dak and that Cowboys offense surrounding your quarterback. And finally, this is a replay of the 2001 Super Bowl coming up on Sunday, Patriots and Rams. And this was pretty cool. WEI in Boston got together three members of that game together on the radio. Kurt Warner, who was the quarterback of the greatest show on turf, the St. Louis Rams, Adam Vinatieri, and Jermaine Wiggins of the Patriots. Let's listen in to the memories. At some point, it would be a lot of fun sitting up in the crowd with some of my former teammates just, just hobnobbing and screwing around a little bit and talking about the good old days, and that time will come at some point. Hey, look at this guy. Uh, we are joined here for Speaking of the good old days. Uh, right. Hall of Famer, uh, Kurt Warner is joining us. So we got Kurt Warner, Jermaine Wiggins, Adam Vinatieri. Uh, good old days is, is relative. Okay? Well, it's it's relative the, if, if you're talking about what I think you're talking about. So let me ask, let me ask you, Kurt, in, in that Super Bowl, when Adam came out to kick that field goal, how confident were you? What were your thoughts going through your mind as he went out to make that kick? I don't know if there was a confidence or not. I was just hoping he missed it. I, I have no idea. I mean, you know, it was a great football game. Um but at the end of the day, we didn't play our best football, so was not surprised that he was going to go out there and, and drill that thing. Um, you know, we knew what he could do in, in big moments, even at that point in time. So, um, you know, it was it, it was a great game. You know, Tom Brady, the legend of Tom Brady, starts with a two minute drive where he sets up Adam to to make that kick. Um, you know, last or first game in, in history uh, of the Super Bowl to end on a, on a kick. So, I mean, so many great things about the game. It's just disappointing from my standpoint because. You want to get on the biggest stage and you want to play your best football game. And we it, didn't do it that day. Is it disappointing when you hear some of your old teammates say, oh, they videotaped us, they cheated, that kind of thing? It seems like you handle it That's with Boston a little Falk. more. <laughs> He's mean, still complaining uh, about it. Yeah, once again, at the end of the day, you're in between those lines for 60 minutes. And do you play your best football? We did not play our best football. Yeah, we had oppor- I mean, we had 450 yards of offense. Right. We scored 17 points. That's because we couldn't finish and we didn't do the things we needed to do to get points on the board. And so all the other stuff is all the other stuff. I'll let everybody else talk about it. For me, it was that 60 minutes. They outplayed us. They deserved to win the Super Bowl. And it's disappointing to say because you always want, you know, in that moment, you want it to be, you know, I played in two other Super Bowls. And in those two Super Bowls, I felt both teams played great. Either team could have won, and that's what you want it to be is great players making great plays at the biggest moments to win those games. I just didn't feel like we did were that you in guys, our second Super Bowl. Were you guys overconfident? Did you think going into the game? When you look back, right. you were 14-point favorites. Were you thinking this – Started gonna, at 17, Jerry. <laughs> we're we're going <laughs> to – That Boston money knocked it down. Yeah. 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 Started high. It, I mean, 
I believe we were. You know, I don't ever remember having that mindset myself. Um, but what I p- tell people all the time is, like, when you get to the Super Bowl, you can't get away from the Super Bowl hype. You know, you turn on the TV and everybody's talking about it, every channel. Uh, you step out of your room and, and all the fans are talking about it. You're around it all the time. And, yeah, I believe our team bought into this idea that we can step on the field and we're going to win a football game because that's all we heard, you know, for, for that whole time period that we were at the Super Bowl was they're going to win, they're going to win, it's going to be easy. The Patriots don't have a chance. Greatest show and on time. I believe that yes. has something to do with – our lack of performance, uh, you know, on Sunday afternoon. And was that a motivating factor, I guess, Wiggy well, and Adam, going in? Because you guys were considered the major underdog in that right. game. Did Belichick use that going into the game oh, for you guys? Absolutely. Right. We were the underdog all season long, right. I think. I mean, we were underdogs even at home against, uh, against Oakland, Oakland early, right. and then we go to Pittsburgh. So we were the underdogs the whole season. And I think we, I think we enjoyed that. I think right. Bill ended up showing a bunch of that stuff, like, you know, any any locker room, you know, post-up stuff. Hey, you know, they're saying this and this and this. Yeah, well, we knew course. about the spread. That's the thing. Like, we knew about the spread. Like, look at look at the type of underdogs that we are going into this game. And, and, and I think and, and when Kurt says that you have to stay in the moment, I think that was a good thing for us. We stayed in that moment as players. And it's crazy to think that I'm sitting here with Kurt Warner and Adam Vinatarian. Adam's the guy who basically was part of starting this dynasty, and yeah. you know, you guys were coming. Yeah, I was off part the, of that yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, you, you guys, I'll take credit you guys, for that as you well. guys were coming off the, ten, <laughs> off the Tennessee victory and right. and, and potentially be, be could coming, be coming yeah. dynasty, right. and now right. you know yeah. here we are. You can only hope we get an instant classic like that one was 17 years ago. Tomorrow, the final finishing touches from Radio Row Super Bowl week for Super Bowl 53. I'm DA. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.